music, news, interviews, live events, and more. Welcome to the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield. Hey, it's Matt Pinfield, and this is the Hivecast. And today my guests are Charles Bradley and Thomas Brennick. And it's uh, so good to have you guys here, also known as TNT. Thomas TNT. Yeah, which is, which, which is very cool. Yeah. Um, you know, and you, of course you're involved. You've been in the Dap Kings as well, and work with Dap Tones Record. This whole thing, yeah, which is great. And then Charles, you know, too. It's, I mean, I know that you've been like a co-producer and co-writer. You've worked. You work with Charles, and you know, I mean, it's, it's incredible. Your story blows me away. I just wanted to tell you, and I should let everybody know there's a new album out, Victim of Love, which yes. is yes. I want to tell everybody about. Um, and it's great. It's your second uh, full LP. Charles, you got to tell me about you. You're born down in Gainesville, Florida. Yes. As a kid, you know, and then you ended up moving, you were with your grandparent, I think your grandmother, and you moved up and ended up moving in with your mom up in uh, Brooklyn yes. uh, as a young boy. And I think at the age of 10, if I'm not mistaken, in 62, your mom took you to the Apollo to see one of the legendary mm, James Brown sister. and the Famous Flames. Tell me about that. That was my sister took me to see oh, James Brown. Oh, your sister? Yes, yes. Uh, I Virginia. She told me, she said, Charles, you got to go see this guy, James Brown. And I said, at that point, I know a little of Jane, but I didn't know much. She said, you just got to go. See. She said, come on, I'll pay your way. I'm the youngest in the family. So I said, okay, i go. So I went to see Jane Brown. And um, when I saw Jane Brown, the way he came on that stage, they had these strobe lights on both sides of him. And when they brought him on stage, they brought him on days with Lectifier. And when he ran on that stage to dance and split and throw the mic, I said, oh, my God. I want to be something like that, you know. Just like Jane Brown, which to me is always be a legend, and um, I thank everybody for him. And now it's me. I'm trying to get my quality out now. And do your thing, which is great. It's it's so good that you know. I mean, that you know, in the different periods of your life, the things that you have been through. You know, I mean, you had a band for a while, you know, like you, you started with a bunch of guys who ended up being shipped off to Vietnam and yes, you guys didn't restart, yes, right? That, yes. Did those guys actually, did Did they make it back? Or You know, I never, uh, we had changed address when we got out of Job Corps. We was going to perform that band and we was going to go home because in Job Corps we was doing some hell of a shows and everybody loved what we was doing. And um, they all got drafted to the Vietnam War. And we had plans when we get out, we're going to continue that. But I lost my address, and um, we was writing, but something happened. We just, me and my life, running around this country, trying to find myself and try to get myself into a tune of life. And it just got lost, and um, we never got back together. I mean, you hitchhiked across the country. You oh, did a lot yes. of different things. Oh, you God. lived in, in many different places for a while, too. Yes, right? yes, yes. You even lived in subway cars for a while, oh, too. Oh, right? that was my home. Around. That was well, tell my, me about that period. How long was, in your own. life was that? How long? How long? I've been on my own ever since I was fourteen years old. And, you know, and I was like living in the subway trains and, uh, up until I turned sixteen when I heard about the job corps. That's what got me out of the, the subway trains to leaving them abandoned buildings. I'm like, I heard a job corps, and I saw that I was beginning to go down, and I was starting to give up. And, and then I heard about job corps, so I asked my mom to ask me to sign me from job corps, but she was a little angry with me, and I don't want to get that deep in it. Um, but my sister forged my name to get me in Job Corps. I went to Job Corps, and then after then, things started looking up, you know, and I got out of Job Corps. They promised me a job. That was upstate New York at a Metropolitan State Hospital. I got the job then, and I felt that, you know, when you work around a lot of 
metropolitan disturbing. I was cooking for 3,500 people a day. 3,500 people? Yes. Wow. And it was like when I first went in the kitchen, I just said, wow, I can't do it because they had pots in those kitchens. They had these big steam pots that you use paddles to stir the food with. Them. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I worked there for um, nine years, but I asked for an absolute leave because my, my music was just would not stop on me. I was taking up cooking and job going, so I graduated from that. But on the side, I was always doing music. So I felt empty when I wasn't doing my music because my music gave me something to keep my, my chops and myself together. You were told as a young kid, that you, you're, as a young young man, that people thought you had a sound like James Brown's yes. and even Otis Redding a little bit, yes, too, that yes, Pete, you would yes. be, and asked you, or a look, and they, and they asked you. And, and So was that one of the things that actually helped also spark it? Yes, it's helped me because, like, the leaders I used to have at the Fallen, it was always Otis Reddison, James Brown, and um, Sam Cooke. Those have been my really, truly morals because when they sang, they sang from the heart. You can feel it. When when they sing, I actually feel it inside. So those, like, more of the leaders that I just, like, kindly focus on. Yeah. And as I grew up, I got to get to know a lot of more artists, but those was the one that truly was my inspiration. I can see you having that, that inspiration and that influence. You know, Otis, we lost way too young. Like yes, 27 yes, years yes. old in Madison, Wisconsin, going down in that plane. That's a one of the loss. saddest stories of all time. That yep. live version of, uh, of, of Charlie Little Tennis that he does is just, show? yeah. Oh, my God. Is, the, ba- <laughs> oh, the band is so young. Yeah. The arcades were so young. Yeah. You, you know that Otis didn't live to uh, for the release of Sitting on the Dock of the Bay? I know. You know, I also you know heard the story that the, the whistling at the end was a guide vocal that he was actually at the time was thinking about writing another verse for it. And a oh, lot of the songs were all written around the same time, like hard to yeah. handle. There yeah. was like a whole streak of like yeah. a writing well, that whole album. Sitting yeah, on the, back of the bay is just a phenomenal. Album. Yeah, so I love those records, man. Yeah. They're so good. You know, See, I met what... his sons. You know what I mean? Really? Over the years, yeah, down in uh, in uh, Florida and Georgia. You know, yeah. uh, and it was very cool. To just yeah, talk. I met his. <laughs> I, when I moved with a friend from uh, California to Macon, Georgia, I finally got a chance to meet uh, Otis Redden's wife. And uh, I, mean, she, I, know, I was talking about the time that when uh, when they buried him, they buried him in front of her house. In front of the house, she says she got tired of that. She said she had to have his body move away from that because everybody was coming there, right? Yes, yes, wow. yes. You know, so one of the uh, one of the crazy stories too is Phil Walden from Capricorn Records, who managed Otis for a while. His father was a racist, so he he didn't want him to manage Otis Redding. Um, wow. and, and he was really depressed, so Otis went in and goes, what's the matter, Phil? He goes, you know what, man? My father doesn't want to send me to college because he said if I'm going to manage a black man, then you know he's not going to pay for my college. I like and, your style. And, You're down to earth. Yeah, I like you know, that. Up, man. You know, and Otis, <laughs> Otis goes, um, well, man, you need to... We definitely need you to go to college because if you're going to manage me, I'm going to yeah. need you to help me. So the, the great story is he went around to all the neighborhoods of people he knew, and he came back with a brown lunch bag full of money and said, here, he goes, this is uh, to help you start to get, to get to go to college. I mean, that's the kind of relationship that he had. It was, yeah. just, it was just, so I, I know I kind of went off on that, that Otis tangent, but he's fantastic and I love those records. And, you know, and you remind me, you give me that, there's so much soulfulness in, in the way that you sing. You know, the new record, the new record's great. There's a lot of psychedelic stuff going on in there, yeah, too. Yeah, that's me and Tommy. Yeah, tell me that's about that, Tommy, because I love, like, <laughs> you know, when you get into the era of, like, Psychedelic Shack and Cloud Nine by yeah. the Temps, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Or even Chambers Brothers, you know sure, what I mean? Like, sure. some of the classic... I, yeah, I mean, I could tell you exactly, for me, where what I was trying to do sonically with the record, because No Time for Dreaming, our first record, 
it because of our means of recording that record we're really humble we recorded it in my bedroom of my apartment on a half inch eight track okay so yeah. that record is raw the songwriting is raw the the means of recording it were raw everything about that record is raw so this was a couple of years later and you know i think that our songwriting had grown and i really wanted to expand the sound of the record for charles and and along those two years we'd been experimenting we covered heart of gold by neil young and experimented with that we covered, that was a very cool version on that it was a soulful yeah. version like i yeah. just imagine if otis had lived a little longer yeah. heard that song that was like my idea and then we covered we did a psychedelic soul version of stay away by nirvana yeah which was cool it was on that nirvana cover spin record the spin record exactly yeah it was great so we'd been experimenting <laughs> and then it came time to flush out these new songs and uh, for me, a big inspiration was like what you're saying. The Temptations they got a record called "Sky Is the Limit." Yeah, that was a big inspiration. The Four Tops got a record called um, "That's the Way Nature Planned It." Yeah, and this is like early '70s Norman Whitfield, Frank Wilson production. Yeah, and I was really into that. And then sometimes I'd make a song. There's a song on the record called "Where Do We Go From Here," and I wasn't sure if Charles would even like it if it was a little too, you know, it was really inspired by Jimi Hendrix and such. And you know, I'm working on it, and I played it for Charles not expecting him to maybe he won't feel it maybe he will and all of a sudden charles just lights up and he's just like you know tommy i got the hook for that give me the microphone i want to sing it right now and i'm like really this song i wasn't you know i didn't think this was for you yeah and he comes along with a hook like where do we go from here and we wrote this really cool song about the falling out of two friends and it's the psychedelic lyrics that match the psychedelic music and it's it's fun as hell and, and hopefully that comes across on the record is that you know we're having fun pushing ourselves trying to do something different yeah. and it's obviously going to be soulful because this you is know the you, yeah because you, you exude soul yeah. so it's really cool you know <laughs> exactly it, it just comes out that way which is great and i like some of the other subjects you tackle on the record too you know just about politicians and being misled there's a bunch of stuff going on yes, so yes, like yes, there's a bunch yes. of great stuff confusion is yeah, yeah. confusion yes, let's talk about that Confusion is really my favorite. It's just like I love the music. I love the dynamics, the lyrics, everything. The, everything it gives. It makes me really want to get on the stage and really give a show. You know? And like when you feel it inside and the band, if they're pumping and they're giving that, all that soul to me, I goes in a zone on my own and God knows what I'm going to say. After I don't sing the song, I, now I want to give a show. You know, I want you, I want you people to enjoy this. When they leave there, I want people to say, dog, you just got to go see that 64 years old man. Like, you ain't going to believe that he's that age. Yeah. You know, I just, hey, there's, <laughs> you know what? Age is just a number, really. Yes, Let's face yes, it. I mean, cause yes. you, you go, that's how I feel about it, too. You know yeah, what I mean? Well, I ask us sometimes, like, oh, do you guys have a hard time relating because there's like a 30-year difference in your age? And we just tell everybody, like, man, huh? we've been friends for about 10 yes. years, and our friendship conquers. Friendship yes. and music kind of conquers. Yes. All it really is that common yes, bond. Yes. You know, that musical yes. thing when you find Absolutely. a mutual because, love with that. Because the know, confusion <laughs> and with all of the... I mean, it's so topical for what's going on right now with all the things that are going on, with all the yes. political messes all over the world. I thought that it lyrically, yes, it's great. Yes. I mean, and with the confusion going on now with uh, and and my life coming up and out of the gutter uh, and coming up and rising up and I'm meeting positive people that believed in me and gave me the opportunity that I can come forward and do the things I love to do and hope make people to understand, open their minds up, but they can see we are all flowers of the earth. So let's get out and learn the true method of who you are and give the best you can give to the world. That's all I'm trying to do. Oh, it's great. There's that story too about you, like, you know, that rainstorm where you went out and jumped uh, on the were playing in the rain and the crowd was going nuts and the power it, went out and... That you know, was like really, and Tom said, Charles, you don't go out there. 
You gonna get away? You touch your light? You can get electrocuted? And he didn't know I really got shocked. I didn't did you tell get him shocked? That. Yes, I did oh, get shocked. That's I scary. Didn't tell you always hear those stories about that's a big fear because a lot of people have actually you know died that way or gotten really seriously you know, injured. It wasn't a hard. You know, I'm sitting under, underneath the, the stage. No rain getting wet to me. The rain was wind was blowing, but I wasn't getting wet. And these people standing out uh, out there watching the show in the rain. I felt so humble. I said, "No, y'all gonna see out there and watch me performing in the rain." I said, "I'm gonna come out there and get nasty with you." So I jump off the stage and mull in the mud with them. And but, but, but the one thing. It was raining, but it was the most beautiful time that I ever had. It was a joyful time. Everybody, when they saw me jump off the stage, they saw that I had nothing but love for me. Y'all can get where I can get where too. Yeah. I'm just as human down to earth as you. And so that's all I felt. All I felt was love. I wasn't thinking about it. And then when I came back and said, zoom, I said, zoom. I said, yeah, that's amazing. Was, it, was that in Texas or where was that? Where did that I take place? It was in Texas, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a great so. story, though. This is the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield. Tell me about how you, the two of you, ended up meeting in the first place. Can we go back? I know that's going well, back. Well, we, we, uh, I met Tom through Gabriel Raw. And, um, Gabe runs Daptone Records. Yeah, yeah, which is a great label, of course. And, and a ref- Brooklyn Soul right there. Yeah. Yeah, because at first I started, I was doing a lot of uh, handyman work for, for Gabe. And yeah. Gabe let me, and I was telling Gabe about my music and stuff and doing James Brown and all that stuff. Then I only and said, then when you did Black, what you were called Black Velvet, yeah, right? Black Velvet, what you were doing, yes, you were doing yes, the James yes, Brown impersonation yes. thing for a while. And I, I wanted to go forward because it seemed like the band I was with, they were stayed in the same space going in the, and just going around the little small circle. And I wanted to grow. And I felt myself growing out of that, you know what I'm saying? But they just went to hold me. But when I started moving out of that, and then I met Tom, Tom invited me to Staten Island. They had a, a band there. So what was the fucking bullets? It was Dirt Rifle. Dirt Rifle, right, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and when I went there, and um, they started playing some music there, and I liked it. It was funky. And I just like, started absolutely letting the words come out of me. But Tom told me that he wanted, he wanted to record me, but I... Everybody tell me that, so I didn't believe it. Went to one end, the next one. Then I went back home. I me and Tommy lost contact. I didn't see Tommy over, over about five years. And then one day he got on the phone and called me. That's why I never changed my phone number. And, um, and it's a good idea to do that. You know, you, once in a while you consider doing that, and then you're like, you know what? It's good that you don't, because somebody might reach out, and it might be a life changing experience. Yes, yes, somebody you've yes, heard from yes, in a yes. very long time. Yeah. But you know, with the past spring, you have it on the phone, you want to change your number. But I said, no, I'm going to go through the bad with the good. Yeah. But then Tom called me, and he told me that he lived in, um, in Brooklyn now. I said, wow. He said, Charles, well, I'm going to give you my address and come on over. So I came over to a long story short. And we talked it out. I was going through a lot of trials and tribulation at that time. And Tom was like a friend that uh, had ears open. Then he heard some of the things I said. Then he, he started taping it. And then, um, Started playing the piano and then everything happened after that. And then the first record, I think, was to come. Yeah, uh, that was with the Sugarman Three. Yeah, that was an early record. Part I, one and part th- two, right? <laughs> I think the first. I always, one. I, lo- I always yeah, love yeah. the part one and part, part one, two. Part two, whether it's a, forty-five is the medium, yeah. so you only got yeah. three and a half minutes. But the one really that really I got to say I did with Tom that really I think changed Tom mind on mind. It was heartaches and pains. Yeah, I think that was like the most great thing that came out of. Out of both of us, and the music, how you put the music, arrange yeah. the music, and put it in there, has made it very openly for me to sing it. But it was hard to go out into the public to sing it. And I was doing it in the studio, it was a yes, but it was going out into the public, 
And our first tour, we had to go to Europe to sing it. And I would not get on those. I didn't want to come out on the stage because every time I started singing that song, I got a little bit emotionally. And it was just like, and I was try to deliberately, when I get to the one lyric that it really hurted me the deepest, I scream it. And uh, Thomas said, Charles, you're missing the lyrics. You, the people want to hear you sing. They want to hear you sing the song that we wrote. And I uh, got to do this. And I got mad. I went back off behind the stage. And Lee Phil was back there. I said, Lee Phil, I can't take this. I want to go home. I don't want to do this. Lee Phil said, Charles, they're giving you more of an opportunity I ever had. He said, well, you better get out there and sing that song. People came to see you. I said, but it's hurt. I can't do it. He said, you can do it. Go out there. So I walk out on the stage. When I walk on the stage, these people started screaming and looking at me. And I'm looking. At, so I stayed quiet for about a half a minute. That I, I'm trying to push. And you kind of waited for them to quiet down. Yeah. Like, they kind of like, did they like get quiet for a second? To yeah. See what gonna do? Yeah. And I would try to push my emotionally yeah. aside where I can use my vocals to get through it. Yeah. But then I don't know what it is. I, I just made that when I say, um, kid, I was the first lyric. And I saw how the people loved it. I said, God, if this is a gift, let me use it. Let me do it the best of my ability. And I came out with it. But now that it don't come like it used to come. It used to be, I used to be full all through the whole thing. Now it'll come to me like I may use three verses and I feel a little pain. And I get through that and I can keep going now. But before it was like, whoa. But I mean, it was heart-wrenching for you to do it. Yes. It was yes. just a... That's a deep song, man. Yeah. That was one of the first songs we wrote. And it, and I wasn't really being sympathetic to, to Charles and the emotion that went into that song when he had to perform it. And this was something we kind of had to overcome when we started going on tour together. But a lot of that first record we wrote was, I think, pretty therapeutic for Charles. He was writing really just about the worst experiences that he had lived through. And it was a difficult subject to sing about. But... um it was a great record, and he overcame it. I mean, it you know, losing people... your brother, like, you know what I mean? Like you did when he was murdered down the street from you. Yes. I mean, that's just the different things that you were going through, and those tragedies. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of, you know, yeah. that's just, those, are, those are things that affect your life. And, they're, you know, the, and, and I can understand where, we're, you know, it's sometimes hard to separate that, that emotional side of things. But yeah. it's become more therapeutic for you, and as you perform yes. it live yes. now, you've been able to, to turn it in. So it's great yeah. that the audience is, and Thomas have kind of, Helped work you through that, Charles. Yes, and like you know, and every time I go home, I get my mom. It's bring the memories back to me because, like, that's the reason why I'm taking care of her today. Yeah, my mom's eight or nine years old. I take oh, that's care fantastic. of her. You know, because I see those memories. That's the reason why we're in the house that we're living in now. Because I had to get out out of that area. Because yeah. every time she walk out door, she that come back to her and she started crying, and I couldn't take it anymore. So she asked me to take care of her. Uh, I didn't know how to go through all that stuff, but this point I I did it. And I see that, thank God I did it, because I, I know that she has a son on this road. I really love her. That's so great. And now is your sister still alive as well? Yeah, my sister, she's still alive, yes. Because she, she was also very, you know, like you say, between your mom and your sister, she also played seminal parts in oh, your life. Virginia from the, from concert to the job court, all like that, you know, yes, those relationships. Yes, yes, right? yes. But you know, you, you know, you can't go all your life with a chip on your shoulder if you want to meet positive people's. You got to dig down deep inside yourself and find a way to forgive them. You know, because if you go on that chip, it's more energy you're using with that chip on your shoulder. Yeah. Sometime and you got to learn how to say forgive and keep on walking and keep on going. If I would have had a, that chip on my shoulder, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now talking to you or t 
meeting Tom and meeting all these people that I've been meeting. I just, it hurt. Yeah. And God knows it hurt. But I just found a way to forgive them. Yeah. And uh, But you won't forget. Like like they say, if you get a cut on you, yeah. the cut going to heal, but it's going to leave the scar still. Yeah, take a look at you. You're going to remember that scar, yeah. where it came from. So that, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's the way I do. I learn to forgive and I think for everybody who out there who gave me this opportunity of the age of 63 years old yeah. and I got out there and started doing this and now wow I just got so much in my heart that I want to give well I mean you are giving with your music you know and it's great and, and you know, obviously you know people are really moved by it Charles and I think it's great because thank you and I love that I love I love the story and the, the life like that where something can come you know at, at a later age than and and things can turn around. Anything anything can happen, and you're right about that thing too with carrying around like resentments and that pain. It, it can eat you alive. It just it, it just takes too much out of you. It really does. And I see some giving is really yeah. important. You know? I see a lot of that back in and back in the hood where I come from. Everybody see me arising, and I see a lot of bitterness in their face. Yeah. And I tell them, oh, don't envy me, man. Just look at yourself and let that hatred go. You'll start finding what I found. If I would have went uh, in all my life with this hatred and uh, animosity inside me, I would have never found this opportunity because I don't think people would want to get next to me to talk to me. Yeah, because it else. clouds, you know, it can cloud your judgment and then, you know, the, the, the positive things in the heart and your soul. And the love can't, it will keep you from through, building right? yes. relationships, yeah. as you said, exactly. with positive yeah. people. Exactly. Yes. You know, so it's great that exactly. it's a life lesson for yes. anybody listening. The, to think about those things. There's a lot of life lessons to be learned from hanging out with this guy. Yeah. I can only imagine that, mm-hmm. you know, you guys must have an incredible time just like talking about it and just, you know, the, besides the music that you love. Because obviously, in that way, Thomas, you work with a lot of new artists too, like sure. Alabama Shakes, Theophilus, yeah. London. You worked with a ton of people. Yeah. And produced and worked with everybody. But you're still an old soul too. You love so many great, you know, you love music from all time. And I love that, like myself, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, obsessed with it, you know? Sexy soul music was like, you know, I've loved it since since I got turned on to it. And I got turned on to it through classic rock and and hip hop because I'm a young guy. Yeah. And in the 90s, I was a teenager. So, and living in Staten Island, so, you know, it would, the music collection I had was all mixed up from, like, Jimi Hendrix to the Wu-Tang. Yeah, because Wu-Tang were Staten Island boys. Wu-Tang, man, <laughs> yeah. uh, of course, you had to listen to Wu-Tang. Yeah. And you listen to, to RZA's samples, and it leads you right to soul music. You listen to yeah. Jimi Hendrix, his guitar playing, it leads you right to soul music. Right yeah. to the Isley Brothers, right to Little Richard. Yeah. Uh, Stacks, you know, Motown. And once I found that, I, I just fell in love with it. And then, as a musician... You know, I moved from Staten Island to Brooklyn and I got linked up with this community of um, great singers like Sharon Jones and Lee Fields. And then when I met Charles, you know, I didn't know what was going to become of it. But, you know, not only have I, do I have like an amazing friendship, but it's also like the, the highlight of my whole career is the music and the songs that I write with Charles. You know? That's great. And it really is. That's just, there, there couldn't be a better an marriage for me than, the you know, the music that I do and what Charles brings to it, the lyrics and the depth. You it's know, so, yeah, and I you're, couldn't you imagine met... anything better. Exactly. It's, it's the most satisfying thing. Because it's real, too. It's The depth is real. It comes from a place of, Thank you, of real honesty. You know what I mean? And I really? think that that's uh, the thing that makes it so special. It really does, you know? Plus that voice, <laughs> you know what I mean? what you but it's just—I uh, I think it's so great that you guys have, have really branched out on, on the second record too, which is really cool. What's what's in the plan for you guys next? Are you going to tour? Are you going to continue to tour the record, We're Charles? Start touring next year. The record comes out Tuesday. We hit the road the following week for about a month and a half. We tour the states, 
and then we go to European festivals for the summer. Where are you playing over there at the European festivals? Which ones? You guys do like Reading and Leeds and that kind of stuff. Tell you. Couldn't tell where, you. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, they're probably a ton of them, right? You're just like, put me on a <laughs> bus. Too sure. We'll get yeah, there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Put you on the ferry from like you know Leeds exactly, to Belgium. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> no, right now we're, we're kind of. I'm excited about putting all these new songs into the set. And you know, with every new song, Charles really develops them live. And you know, a song like Confusion, there's going to be a whole dance routine that is going to be coming with that song. That's we're about to experiment with and and uh, figure. You know, we're about to find it on stage. Who's playing with the band now, guys? Live, Extraordinaires. Live, we got yeah, we got a band called the Extraordinaires. Yeah, that's uh, different from the recording band, but uh, it's a great group of young musicians from Brooklyn. We got. Our friend, uh, our Panamanian friend, Caito Sanchez on the drums. Yeah, it's, a, it's a whole bunch of great guys. Mike Deller from the Budos Band and myself on guitar leading the band. Great horn section. All local guys. Yeah. You know, all, it's all, it's all, we're just tapping into the, like, you know, the same way that Gabe kind of tapped into me when I was 19 years old, introduced me to Charles. I'm tapping into, you know. The other great young, young musicians exactly. around here and getting everybody exactly. involved, which is very cool. Exactly. You know? Which is kind of, it's cool to be part of that tradition. I'm real proud of that Brooklyn Soul thing. Yeah. No, it's it's amazing, and look at what it's done. I mean, it's just so you know what it's it's about. It's about it's real. It's authentic, and it's yeah. it comes from a real place of soul, and uh, and I love it. I just I love yeah. the, I love and the it's, marriage. It's, it's not that. a polished pop. Thing, yeah, you know, well, it's a raw thing, and I it, think that's what people are relating to. It really is. Charles, what are some of your favorite records growing up? When you, oh, were you know, I you know I'm going to say first. Yeah. Jay Brown is one of, uh, one of my favorites. Because uh, you were, I mean, like 1962, that's one of the best live albums of all time. Yes. You going to that show live at the Apollo. Live at the Apollo. <laughs> you know, yes. it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's legendary. That's con- I guess that's, you were probably one of those shows that's considered one of the most important shows ever in yes. that incredible yes. venue yeah. with what a yes. history, yes. right? Yes, yes. That was a show that I, I still I can close my eyes and see a picture of that show. You know, the Stones, when they had to, remember they made the mistake at the Tammy show of saying that they had to headline after James Brown. And because uh, it was, you know, before they'd really perfected their live performance thing. You know, they were young, of course. They were young guys. But, man, after James got off that stage, they were like, with, like their, your tail's between their legs on that stage. Well, see, they what, 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 it, them, you know? what it taught me is taught me when you go on the stage, you go on the stage to give your best, like it's your last show. Yeah. You know, that's the way I believe in doing things. You know, I believe in... Go on that stage and open your heart and let your spirit, and I am an instrument, and yeah. just let it play it to the best of your ability that God gives you knowledge to do. And let the spirit open. That's when you really get to people's because you're giving them, they can feel and open up in their self and relate where you're coming from. So that's why I like to really do life entertainment when I get the spirit and open up. As God knows when the band started pumping behind me, I'm going insane. I'm going in a, in a world that I love to be in, and when that's that's all I look for, and then I can see the love in people's, and it's a beautiful thing when sometimes you be on stage and the whole room come to be one. That's when you know the souls. It's like a spiritual yes, feeling. Yes, going on. yes, something something yes, bigger than everybody yes, that's yes, there. You yes, know, it's just, that's what music. This is what the power of music can do. Yes. To you, you yes. But it's it's awesome, Charles. We're very excited about the tour. Thank you. Very and you know, much. congratulations on everything doing well with like Alabama Shakes and all that Thanks, stuff. Man, yeah. Tell me about about that, that. Was it great? Was it a great experience working with them? Yeah, which actually we're just getting our feet wet on that one because yeah. um, they came to the studio uh, last month. We recorded about four songs for their next record, and um, man, working with the Shakes is great. Brittany is incredible. 
I love that she's space. she was a male, she was a male carrying woman. She's carrying mail. Man, she's yeah. soulful. Yeah, she's great. That version of How Many More Times by Led Zeppelin that they do live uh-huh. is insane. Yeah. It's so yeah. great. Oh, man, she <laughs> reminds me of a bunch of... Th- she really reminds me almost like a female Bo Diddley or something. She like, does. I think people mm-hmm. realize, but she's a wicked guitar player. Yeah. As I could tell you, as a guitar player, Britney is an incredible guitar player. Wow, that's cool. I didn't know that. guitar player. I know that, like, it's funny. When they were in cover band and stuff, they did everything from, like, Bowie and old T-Rex yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it was yeah, very yeah. interesting. yeah. You know, speaking of Bo Diddley, was uh, I met him? I mean, I finally met him over at Sirius Satellite Radio when I was doing a show there, like a month before he passed away. Wow. And I went in and said, I thanked him. I said, Bo, yeah. I just want to thank you for all the amazing music you've yeah. given us. And he goes, I ain't done yet. <laughs> and he was, you know, and he, and he was alive for like about another month or so. Oh, but I wow. told him about we were talking about Bo Diddley as a gunslinger and so I got all this stuff. I got that original Kiss yeah. record. Man. Yeah, I love that record. All that cool He's stuff. Prolific. And that guy wrote all his own songs. Yeah, hit after hit. And the and the legendary Bo Diddley guitar sound and drum beat is yep. uh the Bo beat. you know the Bo beat. there's a you know you talk about the Rolling Stones I mean come on yeah. how much of that did they cop yeah exactly you know? <laughs> yeah that's for sure I mean Mick Jagger used to have maracas in the beginning that was a, yeah totally because of Bo Diddley yeah you know? exactly yeah. yeah it's incredible yeah. it's it's there's so much great so Charles really is a pleasure to have you here and thank you and it's a pleasure you have me here yeah it's great yes. the new album is Victim of Love. So make sure you pick it up. I wanted to real. I wanted to thank you and Tom for coming by. It was yeah, great so to much. have Thanks you. Thanks for having us. Pleasure. It was it was awesome. Charles Bradley and Thomas Brennick on the Hivecast. Guys, we'll see you soon. Thanks again. All right, buddy. Thank you again. This has been the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield. For all things music, news, interviews, live events, and more, go to mtvhive.com.